Hello and welcome to another edition of the Media Boat Podcast. It's another week. It's another podcast. It's another week. It's another podcast. Another marooned edition of the Media Boat Podcast. Coming at you from two different cities in the, in the United States, in, in California, believe it or not. Um, it is Wednesday. It is June 24th. Can you believe that? We are almost done with the sixth month of 2020. It's, uh, I think we're past the longest day of the year. Yes. Right? Summer solstice okay. was last week. Yes. Yes. So now the days just start to get shorter from now on. Slightly. Little by little. Uh, but yeah, um, it is summer. It is happening. And we're stuck inside. How sad. Uh, yeah, if you don't know what the Media Boat Podcast is, we are a podcast that talks about the media, as you may have guessed. Movies, television, video games, and music. Not necessarily in that order, though. My name is Matt, and with me is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. And we have some more thoughts. Yeah. Turns out a, a lot of things are still coming out and or we're experiencing them in even when we're stuck at home. And so we want to talk about some stuff. Uh, but before yeah. we get to the thoughts, there's news to be had because news is still happening. All right. What's the news? So first, of course, we start with movies. And in the movie news this week, the biggest story was, of course, about a will they, won't they between the theater chains and masks. Oh, I love this story. Yeah. You know, so, will they have masks? Won't they have masks? Will they get married? Won't they be on a break? <laughs> classic, really, isn't it? Um, so, yes, this classic uh, love story began when last week, AMC, Cinemark, and Regal all said face coverings would not be mandatory by their business um, if the particular city they were in didn't require them. AMC's uh, CEO comments specifically were widely criticized and sparked backlash online on social media with Twitter users even calling to hashtag boycott AMC. Meanwhile, the Alamo Draft House saw an opportunity. They're a much smaller chain that deals in more boutique cinema experiences. Like they were one of the earlier ones to, you can drink and have a meal while you see your movie before everybody started doing that. Um, they saw an opportunity with this and quickly declared that it's if theaters would require masks and thus social media gave them kudos and everybody was like, hey, look at these guys. This is the example about what to do. Well, AMC and Regal have since reversed the course and will now require all of its guests to wear masks when the multiplexes reopen starting next month. Cinemark, however, has not revised their stance. The thing is, theaters need concession stand sales to justify opening, and munching on snacks and sipping on soda defeats the purpose of wearing a face mask. So what I've seen is, is that now with their new mask requirements, I saw the little AMC kind of like diagram for it, mm -hmm. is that while you are eating or drinking, you are not required, but every but otherwise you are. They specifically shouted out entering and exiting through the lobby as times where you are expected to wear a mask. So when you're in the actual theater surrounded by actual people, you are not required to wear a mask. 
because you have popcorn and or soda and or candy with and or kids. And or rice. And or rice and Dormammu. And Dory and or can't well food. Do <laughs> I know where this is going. <laughs> anyway, I mean, okay, so this is this is frustrating in a lot of ways because yeah, like initially, like AMC was just like, I don't know, we're not going to require it. And the thing you don't have in the story is that the CEO's comments also included him saying, "quote because we didn't want to make a political stance." Unquote. Oh, I saw that, and yet <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. If you're saying yeah. don't wear masks, that's still a political stance. <laughs> like, you're not getting away from the, quote, politics, unquote, of something that absolutely should not be political. Well, it's not. You should, should, be, you should come out and say this is a health thing. Yeah, it's a health thing. It's literally prevention of passing on disease. It is not a... Um, you know, taking away of your freedoms by a company. It's the company saying, hey, we'd rather not be responsible for people's death. Like, you mean a, a, a company, a private company on a private property that has its own rules and regulations that it puts in place to better yeah. all patrons? Yeah. It'd be like if suddenly somebody was very upset that they couldn't go to the bar and not wear their like not wear uh any clothing at all like they just showed up naked and they were like well this is my freedom to show up naked it's like no man they're a they're a private business they can decide whether you can show up naked or not to your their place same thing here so i don't know it's it's frustrating i'm glad that they've changed their mind about it but yeah you're right it's still super risky especially when you know that people aren't going to, one, do it in the dark of a movie theater. Two, that you know that they're not going to if they're eating something. So, and three, even though they're doing social distancing where they're, like, not keeping every single seat occupied, still an awful lot of people in a cramped space without a whole lot of air circulation. Scenario. I want to frame it here. Scenario. Yeah. You're in a movie theater. You have your bucket of popcorn with you. The lights dim down. You start chomping on it. Your popcorn gets stuck in your throat. So you try and cough it out, resulting in the whole theater freaking out because someone is coughing back there, resulting in everyone leaving, demanding a refund that they let someone in because, hey, someone's coughing in there. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen. Oh, it's gonna happen. That's a that's a very minimum hypothetical that is bound to happen. Yeah. It's like number one on your checklist. How do we prevent this? Make popcorn easier to eat. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Make popcorn softer. No, um, this is of course the Media Boat Podcast telling you the same thing we've been telling you for weeks now, which is probably don't go to the movies yet. Like, they're going to reopen. You're going to want to see Tenet because Christopher Nolan doesn't understand what the hell, like, you can just release a movie digitally. But no, it's not on film. But trust us, don't do it. Don't no, take he this. is a no. cinema purist. Yeah, but this is not the time, Christopher Nolan. Like, I get it. 
but this is not the time. Read the room. Yeah, but okay. So bouncing off that real quick, Warner Brothers is putting out the 10th anniversary of Inception to either both to test audiences going back to the theater and also as a barometer of how many people are going back, want to go, slash want to go back. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I think that it won't do the numbers they want it to. Well, it will do over 100,000? No. In sales? Because that's like the low bar minimum to for box I, office right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know anymore. Uh, but we'll see. All right, let's move on to the second story because we spent a good amount of time on that first one. Let's talk about Weta. You're probably thinking, what the hell did he just say? Bless you. But I said Weta. Weta Digital. That's W-E-T-A. W-E-T-A Digital. No, nobody uh, gets that, Matt. Nobody <laughs> gets that. Some people probably get it. Um... So here's the deal. Uh, Weta Digital is, of course, the um, motion capture slash special effects studio that has brought you such special effects and motion capture in films such as Lord of the Rings. Um, they, of course, are well known for being the place where uh, you get like really realistic motion capture done for your fantasy films. It's where Andy Serkis goes to work. Exactly. It's, it's the, the place that brought you Andy Serkis. Uh, they're known for mostly doing special effects, but they have just announced they're launching an animation division. And you're probably thinking, wait a minute, isn't that already animation? Yes, you're not wrong, but this would be a studio that would make animated films. And again, you're probably thinking, wait a minute, aren't they already doing that? But there are some real people in those. There are no real people in this. Um, All right. AKA Lion King C. Yeah. He stayed right at Disney. Exactly. Um, so yeah, creating animation has been a long-held dream of the majority owners, which, by the way, include none other than director Peter Jackson mm-hmm. and Fran Walsh, who will, of course, write and produce and direct several animated projects for this new venture. Weta Animated will work alongside Weta Digital's visual effects business for the film and television industry, and will begin producing original content for the first time in its 25-year history. They've been a hired gun before. They've never done their own film. Comprised of 15, uh, 1,500 artists and engineers, Weta Digital has won six Visual Effects Academy Awards, 10 Academy Sci-Tech Awards, and six Visual Effects BAFTA Awards. And yeah, like I said, you kind of know what they're known for, and you know names like Peter Jackson and and Circus. So, like, these guys have been around. This is a logical development. Yeah, um, they've also worked on projects of the Avengers. Avatar, I think, is the big one they're working on. And so they have experience doing, this, doing digital animation special effects. Yeah. But, you know, rendering a full movie in that capacity now puts them up against, say, Pixar. Yeah, exactly. Um, I could see this being really, really good in the long term. I could also see them extremely blurring the lines between live action and animation. Mm. And I think that yeah. is a scary point of where we could be heading. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just call their next movie um, Uncanny Valley. <laughs> 
It's like they know. They know. So yeah, this will be cool. When they whenever they announce get around to announcing an actual movie, um, that'll be really cool. I'm interested to see what they do. King Kong too. <laughs> Peter Jackson always wanted to make another one. All digital King Kong. All digital King Kong. All right. Did you watch any movies this week? Uh, I have been watching the Harry Potter film series. Does that count? That were released in 2020. Nope. Not Harry Potter film series. Okay. Well, I watched a movie that came out this year. Thanks to Netflix streaming. Ooh, okay. What did you watch? Uh, Christy and I watched the anime film, A Whisker Away. It had been advertised to us several times, and it had a cute cat in it. So we were like, yeah, we'll check this out. So it did have a cute cat in it, but I did not expect it to be like a metaphor for depression. The cat is depression? No, the cat's not depression. Uh, The people, the two teenagers involved in the love story here have depression. And... um, the lead character finds or is sold a mask that allows her to transform into a cat. And she believes for part of the movie that being a cat will make her happier and make her feel better and give her the ability to um, be in a, or be close to the guy she's crushing on. And it gets elaborate from there. As you might imagine from an anime film, it slowly kind of goes in a fantasy direction. There's a whole like alternate cat universe. There's a bunch of lore and like reasons why the cats want and what what they want and the humans want they want what they want. But it's very cute. It's a nice love story. Um, and yeah, it surprisingly has some stuff to say about like about childhood depression which was interesting and like familial relationships and how that affects the child and uh stuff so yeah we 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 had a good time with it it's interesting it's like ghibli light it's not as deep as something from a studio ghibli but like it gets close to that kind of zone and yeah it's a fun it's a fun watch and uh probably even good for like older older kids too it's not like super kid friendly but uh it, it could pass as a family film for like older kids. Okay. How is the animation? Oh, beautiful. Um, it's definitely, it definitely looks incredible. A lot of the animation is really beautiful. The, a lot of the backgrounds are really well done, like in a painterly style. There was one uh, shot early on uh, where there's a tree, like just like a detailed tree. And Christy was like, was that just a picture? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I think that they drew that. And she's like, whoa. So yeah. Like it's pretty well, pretty well drawn stuff in that thing. All right, sounds good. Yeah, if you want a cute anime love story with some more, like with a little bit undercurrent of darker themes, it's nice. Also, if you like cats, I recommend it. Sounds perfect. Cute cats. All right, so that oh, that's a whisker away, by the way, in case y'all didn't remember. Okay, but that's all I watched. Okay. Uh, oh, I did watch a movie, but uh, oh, yeah. it was Knives Out again because oh, yeah. it was good. <laughs> Still good. Still good. Yeah, it's available for Amazon Prime members. So I was like, yes, watching it. Yeah. All right. Let's segue over to television, mm-hmm. where we always start with the sports corner. All and right. man, 
What a weird ass week. Uh, sports may or may not still be happening. <laughs> sort of. Maybe. I think, okay, let's call them sports. We can call them sports. We can use the word sports. But if written, I think the word sports should be italicized. <laughs> or in quotes every time. Oh, sports are happening. All right. So what's All happening right. in sports? Sports. So the first story in sports is about the NFL as uh, has been widely reported over the last few weeks, uh, more and more players are being, are testing positive for COVID-19. And in order to kind of stem some of this before a theoretical season starts, uh, the league is now prohibiting unsanctioned workouts among players. So basically if it's not officially designated by the team and they're just kind of meeting in like, like these players are meeting and working out together, that is a no, no. Yes. Um, Tom Brady and the Tampa Buccaneers are one example of this, of professional athletes getting together to perform their own workouts before the season starts. Yeah. Now, this isn't something new, something they're doing, you know, because of the pandemic lockdown. No. People or athletes have been getting together to do their own workouts with each other outside of season for numerous occasions outside of their own team sometimes with just getting their friends together, their yeah. professional athletic friends together to work out. I would imagine this is extremely common in every sport mm-hmm. because you get to be friends with people you even are on other teams or not professional. And yeah, you want to, you want to work out, you want to train, you want to practice, but this is smart though, from a perspective of wanting to make sure that, that there aren't, as many players going forward that's key, that test positive. They want to make sure they can at least control or theoretically control um, the, the groups of people that are seen by their players. All right. Let me put my business hat, business mm-hmm. hat, business tie. Let me put my business tie on real quick. I am trying, we, are, we need to protect our product from this unsanctioned workouts in order to, properly hold a season for which these players will be getting paid for. These yes. are our employees and we are trying to do what is best for them. Yeah. Yeah, basically. But I don't know if that's as nefarious as some business things we'll talk about later no. in uh, about sports today. I think this is not that bad. It sucks. Yeah. That they can't just practice with their friends, but yeah, well, they're trying to limit everyone's exposure outside of yeah. their own facility. And that's the key, is that if they can maintain team practice within the team and only within the team, then they can maintain that if there is somebody in the team that is uh, a carrier, they can oust them and still know that they're okay. They can't guarantee anything outside of that bubble. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so we'll see. but as you mentioned, yes, the, their next uh, part, part, part two of the story, you could say, is that uh, Brady and Tampa don't care. <laughs> yeah. Um, like the day after they, NFL released that statement, they were out practicing. I think even today they were out there practicing as reported by ESPN and such people. Just Tom Brady does what Tom Brady wants to do, I suppose. It's Florida, man. Yeah. Also, yeah, he lives in Florida now, so yeah. <laughs> all bets are off. Uh, speaking of Florida, uh, specifically Talladega, 
That's in Florida, right? Alabama. Oh, shit. You're thinking Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah, I, I was. All right, Alabama. So not I think it's Alabama. Florida at all. I think. Well, wherever Talladega is, um, there is a winner. This is NASCAR, I'm guessing. Yes. Yes. Uh, Ryan Blaney won NASCAR this past weekend. Won NASCAR. Well, won a NASCAR this past yes. weekend uh, at Talladega. Technically, it wasn't the weekend because it got rained out on Sunday. It was Monday. But, mm-hmm. hey, he still won. It counts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this house was happy. <laughs> there, there's the happiness right there. You heard there's in the background. happiness. <laughs> yeah. That's, is that it? That's the whole story? Uh, yeah. Blaney won. Uh, there was some controversy with Bubba Wallace over the weekend. Yes. Is that what you're getting to? Um, no, but it's interesting that you don't have that story. Because oh, because that, that story got wrapped up today. It did, yesterday. yeah. Yeah. Uh, you got wrapped up into a big old nothing burger. Yeah, more or less. But still, though, the uh, the good news about the whole the whole debacle is that people were uniting in NASCAR, and you had a lot of people get behind him mm-hmm. in a good way, which was good. So yeah, and that's that's just a good showcase of proper steps being taken place. That yeah, proper investigation was done. Nobody like leaped to accusations amongst either the players or the teams or anyone in particular due diligence was done and they found it to be a wash. Yeah. More. Why, you know, didn't need to be blown out of proportion. I think the steps taken by NASCAR were appropriate. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, they figured it out, settled it, changed it and are now moving on. All right. Well, in other sports, actually, this one I don't think we need the quotes for because golf, golf has been happening it. pretty much as is, uh, except with no fans, as you might imagine. So yep. that started this past weekend. Yes. Uh, golf, new golf was out um, and about. Also, I don't have this, but Belmont apparently happened in oh. horse racing this past weekend. I didn't even, okay, even pre uh, pandemic, I didn't think horse racing was going to happen anymore. <laughs> so that's kind of crazy that it's still happening. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that happened. Uh, but yeah, golf resumes. They're doing no fans, they're doing proper distancing between each player, but they're all playing on the same day because weather yeah. is indeed a factor when playing. So yeah, yeah. we have golf every weekend now. Golf every weekend. Well, that's exciting. Yep. And then um, the last like small story before we get to our big sports story of the week um, is that uh, basketball's uh, deadline is quickly approaching. Basketball is almost here, but uh, players have until July 1st to opt out of returning to the uh, shorter truncated season. Uh, July 1st is a soft deadline. At any time, a player can opt out of playing in the resurrected NBA season. But in for now... ring squad? Yeah. <laughs> but for now, like, they're setting, like, if you can't be in Florida by July 1st, please let us know. Yeah. And I'm, so I'm far, just... one person from the Los Angeles Lakers has already stated that they will not be a part of okay. the upcoming res- resumed season. Okay. Playoffs? Should we just call them Playoffs. 
they're playoffs. They're basically playoffs. Um, I'm I'm kind of I was gonna say I'm kind of disappointed that you don't have the stuff about the weird ring that they have to wear. Oh, about the ring that tells the temperature. Yeah. The player. <laughs> That's the story I saw this week. I'll, I'll believe that ring works when I actually see it working. Yeah, they're gonna be part of a weird ring society in order to play basketball. You know, the the one ring to rule them all. And they're gonna be the Wonder Twins every time they go in there. Form of. Like, like, are they got to like wear that like while they play? I. I guess so. Just right. Just accidental slap in the <laughs> face. Oh, ring hit. Oh, you got a mark now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is a bad idea. Now that you say that. Um. Anyway. Anyway, All right, yeah, well, um, yeah. we'll see what uh, happens. NBA players have been getting together on Zoom calls and meetings to mm-hmm. try to discuss what they want to do with the upcoming NBA postseason, whether they want to join or whether they should, could, or will make a, any type of political statements because they have the platform and because people will be watching since it is sports returning. Yeah. So there's been heated talks about that. Yeah. And I'd imagine, I mean, the NBA of all the leagues of all the major sports leagues here um, are the most outspoken. They're the league that lets their players more or less say what they want. That's got them into hot water semi recently earlier in this year, but generally compared to like the NFL, they have a pretty broad, like, like, like image that they don't necessarily tamp down on. You know, like, because the NFL now, you, it has this, like, very conservative image now. NBA definitely doesn't. And so it'd be very interesting if you do see a lot of NBA players using this as, like, as an opportunity to use their platform. Yeah, also the NBA is, like you said, has a history of letting players yeah. be vocal about, yeah. you know, stuff outside of the NBA sphere. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I guess we'll... We'll know sooner than later, probably, if that's going to be the case. Yeah, we'll also know if, um, like, NBA will actually still be happening. Yes. Unlike some other stuff. All right, let's talk about it, because the thing that we have been talking about for the last few weeks, the other shoe finally dropped, and you called it. We're not going to have baseball this season. We're going to have baseball? We're going to have forced baseball this season. <laughs> yes. We're going to have dance monkey dance baseball, essentially. All right. So there's two parts to the story. Yeah. Because like all this happened within like three or four days. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's start at the top here. The lack of a deal, as we talked about last week, between MLB and the MLB Players Association led to the league imposing a schedule, as we said before, Mm-hmm. was its right, according to the March 26th agreement. The guarantee, which also, of course, guaranteed a fully prorated portion of the players' salaries. MLB on Monday told the players' union it planned to impose a schedule as long as the players would report to training camp by July 1st and codify a health and safety manual that runs more than 100 pages. The league has issued a 60-game schedule uh, this was as of Tuesday, that will start July 23rd or 24th, I guess it's flexible, in completely empty ballparks. Each team will play 10 games against each of its four division rivals. 
and four games versus their nearest geographical opponent. It basically the the ALNL equivalent of whoever yeah. the east right. and west north south is. Um, a team is exp- is scheduled to only make one trip to each city it visits. So this is not what we had previously talked about, which was the two-city strategy. This is still touring teams, just l- less like less flexible. Like it's very strict about one trip per city. Yes, or at least that's what they're gonna try and make it, because yeah. as we just mentioned, the schedule is not out. There is no hard schedule. Yeah. They just have a rough outline of what they want each team to do. The number of playoff teams will remain at 10, though that could still change. All these things are in in flux. Mm -hmm. Designated hitter rule will be played in both leagues now. I think that's done to conserve pitchers. Which makes sense. And uh, uh, extra innings will start with a runner on second base. As also to conserve time. Yeah, uh, so we don't get freaking, what, 15-inning games? Right. Like last season. So, yeah, smart. So that uh, way uh, a base hit or a gapper scores a run and keeps the game moving so you're right. not burning through pitchers yeah. or players. You can actually have a winner by the end of the year. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to just constant time. Uh, players will be tested every other day, even if they are asymptomatic, even if they're not showing anything, according to health and safety protocol. All right, so yep. you kind of mentioned that there, there's some other business in the background here. What were you going to say? Yeah, so as of now, you can say baseball is back. P- players still have the option to opt out of this season. Just like basketball. Just like basketball, if they don't feel comfortable. Or, say in the case of Mike Trout, your wife is going to have a baby soon. Yeah. So, do you see this being a troutless season? Possibly. Yeah, it would almost have to be, right? Because yeah. they're going to make him to travel when he wants to stay home. Or say he comes and he plays and he travels, then he has to somehow predict two weeks before his wife gives birth that he needs to stop playing baseball. <laughs> yeah, there's no quarantine way quarantine himself for two that. weeks before he's there with his wife right i would more imagine that maybe he just waits until that happens and then and then weirdly abandon the kid to go play baseball yeah Yeah, exactly and joins the season in the middle of it or something this this season all all of these terms have quotes around them just imagine (laughs) you know he's gonna be the delivering room with the with his mitt just like all right pop fly come on baby (laughs) <laughs> far back in center field just like he always does they're gonna have a makeshift wall so he just to leap over and grab it <laughs> or no he's no she's on the other side so he has to leap over yeah. and grab it to bring the baby back into play <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly it's just interesting because i think this is the only uh one of these kind of complications that you see in these other complicated sports stories because you literally have your league MVP, arguably, being possibly not even playing. Arguably the face of the league. Right. They right. try and plaster his face across sure multiple matter. brands. 
and it sure doesn't matter if the team he's on isn't that great, but <laughs> but he's pretty great. So yeah, if he's out there being like, uh, no deal, like it's gonna look bad. But yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah, there's also a lot of other rule changes, including because there is no minor leagues or triple mm-hmm. uh, A to bring players up. Yeah. That they have players basically sitting in reserve mm-hmm. and that they can travel with up to three additional players should injuries happen. And one of them has to be a catcher. Okay. Um, I think that was the main one that I didn't include because it's a really odd rule. Yeah, it's like really into but the... But I think the main thing here is that this is what the players didn't want in yeah. terms of traveling to each ballpark. Yeah, it's one of the things they were trying to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, this also means that either owners have to rent out a whole plane, including teams like the Oakland A's, who <laughs> maybe don't have as much money as, say, the New York Yankees. Yeah. Can't in play that terms of traveling, that. but also in terms of like distance, because like the Yankees can play all their games within a 60 mile radius, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or 100 miles go from up to Boston down to Washington and then over to Philly. Yeah. Whereas teams like LA, yeah, Dodgers have to go up to say Seattle and over to Colorado and down to San Diego. Here's my question though when a team, so you're limited to one trip to each city, right? How are they differentiating between the Angels and the Dodgers? Like, are they saying that both of those are LA or are they allowing Anaheim to be a separate city? They're allowed to be separate. I think it's like per team. But okay. normally what, you, what they do with the LA teams is that they play once and then they switch the next time. Right. The next day, next series, okay. play okay. the other. But because they are in um, different divisions, or like one's AL, one's NL, yeah, they play different teams anyways. Yeah, but th- there's going to be some geographically close games, right? So, Well, yeah, I mean, they're going to get probably more like – Mets, Yankees games, Angels, mm-hmm. Dodgers games. Yeah, we're gonna uh, have Texas or Texans, uh, Astros games because they are close to each other, even though they are in opposite uh, divisions. Excited for this uh, a weird ass uh, freeway series this year. That that, that game will be ten to three. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be interesting because there is no set schedule. Players don't know what city they're going to be in on what day. The schedule is not released. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that like, as fans, like we're not going to attend anyways, but for the players, like they don't know where they're going to be in a yeah. month. Should they, like they don't even know like who's starting where opening day yet. Yeah. That's and they expect them to come t- to uh, basically report to their facilities on July 1st, yeah. practice for three weeks to be ready on July 24th for a season where they don't even know where they're playing yet. Yeah. It's crazy quick. It's going to go like that. Well, I think that's also one of the reasons why like the players were so against this. And even like the first line is that we reported on was that they couldn't reach a deal because none of this was set in place. Like as we've been saying on here, they should have just done hub cities at their own, um, Spring training training, ballparks. Yeah, training. Yeah, if in theory, but it's too late now. The league got what they wanted. 
Um, well, as we said, they got what they wanted because the players could not strike. Yeah. It's in their CBA. They literally had to accept the deal. Right. So the last question I have about this is how excited are we to see the first game against the Astros? I will still boo them from our TV. <laughs> right? I'm like so excited just to see what happens because, man, there's a lot, probably a lot of pent-up anxiety. Yeah. I mean, thankfully, I want to say thankfully, but kind of this whole MLB <laughs> debacle of season no season is kind of like, pushed their cheating scandal off to the side. Oh, yeah. They're probably counting their freaking blessings, but I still imagine some pitchers are maybe going to maybe gonna uh, lose sight of their aim for a couple, couple pitches. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, that was another thing. Um, so normally, I thought, normally, like, when pitchers, like, they'll lick their fingers. Yeah, they have to carry around a freaking wet rag. Wet rags. <laughs> I saw the wet rag rule, and I was like, oh, my God, wet rag rule. <laughs> also, say say wet rag rule three times fast. Wet rag rule. <laughs> Saying wet ragu. <laughs> it sounds like wet ragu. Anyways, yeah, that was my favorite. I totally had forgotten until you brought that up. But yeah, that was my favorite thing I read about this. I think I even liked a tweet about the red rag rule. Wet yeah. rag rules. Yeah, and then also like everyone in the dugout like should be wearing masks. If you're not a player, you have to be wearing a mask. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. Um, yeah, I'm divided about this because man, it sucks that the players didn't get a deal that was good for them. Yeah, but I'm kind also of also baseball. As a fan, yes, baseball. As baseball. a human being, I'm like, oh no, you shouldn't be playing. <laughs> yes, no, we should not be making these monkeys dance for us, but here we are. Yeah, I'm having that kind of like conflict going on right now too. Yeah. Like, yes. All right. Back. And then oh no. Then yeah. You're back. It sucks. You, you shouldn't be doing this. But also thank you. Then also, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, let's talk about something else. Let's move on to our second story in television this week, which is all about NBC Universal saying, Hey, come back into the office, let's start working again. Or Come back to the lot, because, you know, they have all those backlots going on. Yeah. All right. They've begun a cautious return to work over at NBC Universal. The company had begun an incremental reopening for employees at its headquarters just off the 101. Their internal documents outline the stages, workspaces, and other physical areas of the studio that have been substantially transformed with a fortified safety-first approach. In that process, NBCU saw a small number of hands-on production and operations staff return to work on June 18th. New guidelines include mandatory face masks, sanitizing stations, revamped floor plans, and app-based lunch orders with an emphasis on people who needed to actually touch things like camera equipment and sets. To that end, NBCU ran a production resumption exercise on the back lot on June 12th which consisted of 25 cast and crew on an imaginary set. All employees who entered the lot this past week were also given a self-described welcome backpack after their temperature checks. It contains two masks, two bottles of hand sanitizer, both made in-house, a hotel door, a hotel-like door hang for housekeeping to clean or not clean a room or area, many sanitizers, and a multi-purpose tool designed to avoid direct contact with surfaces 
handles and elevator buttons. Is this just one of those grabby hands? It's a stick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like stendy grabby hands? <laughs> yes, it is. You win at the fair? That'd be great. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you're gonna... If you're going to resume production, I guess this is what you have to do. It uh, is a step in the right direction. That June 12th date is, of course, the same date that uh, L.A. City announced yeah. that they can officially go back the first day. So they, I was like, okay, first day, we're going to go and we're going to do test runs on this. What do we need to have in place? They got to really, like, uh, hammer in those new... Those new uh, uh, sitcom productions for next season, right? Though <laughs> uh, they need to hammer and nail and glue together all the uh, game show sets that they're going to have <laughs> upcoming. Yes, they need like fifteen more seasons of Ellen's Game of Games. Stat. Well, see, I was thinking that they just do Wipeout again, since it's going to be outdoors. <laughs> well, no, Netflix is already doing Floor is Lava. I think you you need a better stick. I don't know. Are we going to talk about that now? I'm not going to talk about that. Maybe you are. Because, <laughs> hey, it's time to talk about what we've been watching this week. All right. So, as you mentioned, Floor is Lava. Oh, okay. We are going to just segue into Floor is Lava after oh, all. Yeah, no, it's here in the thoughts. I see that. Yeah. All right. What's up with Floor is Lava? It I is. It's that there's no lava. No, but it's uh, red light, red lit colored water. Yeah. <laughs> With some bubbling effects. And it's escape room meets wipeout, where you're gonna get from one end of the room to the other, not touching the floor and climbing on everything. Basically, right. a five year old's wet dream. Ew, don't put it that way. A five year old's wet dream because it is a nightmare for a kid because there's lava everywhere. <laughs> I don't think you know what a wet dream is. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Moving on, yes, the object is to not get wet (laughs) Uh by falling into the lava. Uh, Teams of three must make their way from one end to the other, climbing on stuff, pulling on things, pulling on levers, trying to unlock different ways to traverse from one side to the other. It's it's Wipeout-esque. It's Escape Room-esque. It, it is very also wet. very trashy TV that I that people really like on Netflix. So mm-hmm. hey, somehow now, they got uh, people to get on the show. <laughs> Christy is very excited to watch this. It's been apparently extensively recommended to her via the algorithm, and so Same. she's very excited to watch it. I ignored it like, the first five times, but then the sixth time I was like, okay, let me play one episode. She saw. And so I watched like, one episode. <laughs> She saw it once, saw that it existed, and she was immediately interested in watching it. Yeah, I watched one episode and then went back to watching Avatar The Last Airbender. Smart. But yeah, um, I will not be watching it. So yeah, it's mindless mindless fun. It's exactly what you think it is. Mm-hmm. What else yeah. did you watch? Uh, well, while we're on Netflix, I also watched F is for Family, which I mentioned last week. So are you, were you starting this from the beginning, or are you just watching new stuff? New season. Okay. This is a show that I've talked about before on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Bill Burr's show about life in the 70s, 80s, 70s. I think it's the 70s because it's, it's basically all in the family, right? Like yeah. It, it's an animated take on the kind of all of the family kind of setup. 
Yeah, where that's where the F for, is for family comes from. Right. The name itself is even a reference. Yes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so you remember how I mentioned last weekend that, or last week's sh- show, um, The King of Staten Island, how Bill Burr's in it, and yeah. movies about like finding a father figure when you don't have a father figure? Yeah. That's basically what this whole season was about. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, as our main character's dad, aka the grandpa, comes to visit for this season and immediately makes our main character, played by Bill Burr, um, revert to a childlike state and trying to like say that he wasn't a nice guy, like basically start picking, try to pick fights with his father to admit his wrongdoing and admit that he screwed him up while not realizing that he is also screwing up his own kids. Right, exactly. The cycle continues. Right, the cycle can the circle be unbroken here? <laughs> yes. But also that because he's fighting with his dad and with his work about stuff and with his wife who's pregnant through this whole thing, like basically leads up to the kids that he does have not really having a father figure around. And so they start leeching on to other figures in their life to fill that validation void in, that's being left open. Right. Uh, whether it's through a neighbor and music, whether it's through uh, joining the hockey team and having the coach, or whether it's through a new friendship who may indeed be a bad influence on you. Uh, but yeah, all this comes to a head at the birth of new baby and basically everyone's saying, we're going to try to come together and raise this kid right we're not going to try and mess up their lives as we messed up your life. <laughs> and basically what I feel like every parent feels like when they have a new child is like, okay, here is our fresh start. And yet I somehow already know that it's not going to be that way, but it does set it up for a nice next season. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's still a hilarious show. Some of the jokes they get away with in this thing is pretty insane, pretty asinine. And overall, it is still a really hilarious show that I'm glad I'm watching. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I tried a few episodes of season one and I just, I couldn't get past the like, the cr- abrasive cruelness of the of the father character, the lead character. Mm-hmm. And so I was just like, I don't need this in my life. Yeah, that's basically what that show is. If you can't yeah. get through that, that is like the main hurdle. Barrier of entry for me. There's like, a low barrier, but also... Yeah, I, I see something like that and all I can think of is I'd rather watch a, a thing with a cute cat. Bye. Right, something that makes you happy and or depressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, it just didn't it just didn't work for me. But yeah, or, or as Casey Musgraves put it, happy and sad at the same time. At the same time, it's true. Yep. So yeah, um, what else do you got here? I understand that some manly man tears were had. Uh, not as much as you think, but yes, the twenty twenty Espies <laughs> were this past weekend. Well, I'd imagine yes, less manly man tears than usual, but still. Yes. Yeah, so as as been noted constantly sports is canceled no sports are happening therefore no official sport awards were given like best player best male athlete best uh goal scored best winning moment best team none of those were 
honor. Instead, what this award show was, was all the other awards, the humanitarian awards, the Pat Tillman Award, the uh, Perseverance Jimmy V Award, the Arthur Ashe Award for Courage, the and the, um, what is it, Billie Jean King Award. Mm-hmm. And all of those awards highlighting people outside of sports, outside of the core sports, but also like influential of other sports and other people outside of, of their lives. Mm-hmm. And so that is mainly what this show was about. There was on several occasions, very highlighted moments to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I think that got passed around on social media constantly. I think one of, one of the big reasons why the SPs were trending on Sunday mm-hmm. because of it. Uh, did you see any part of this? No. Nope. Nobody on my Twitter was talking about this. Well, no one your that tells Twitter you about, uh, involves sports either. It, well, no, no. Usually there's some talk around SPs time. That's the thing. And that's why I think that's, that's saying something because I feel like it was not on a lot of people's radar at all this year. Well, because I guess normally this comes after the All Star break on a Wednesday. This was right. Sunday prime time. So. Yeah, it really brings a new meaning to the day where there are no sports. Yeah, because it was really true this year—the <laughs> year where there was no sport. <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. Uh, let's see. Did you watch anything? Because I still have stuff I watched. Keep going, keep going. Keep going? All right. Uh, do you like Survivor? No. All right, this show's not for you then. All right, what is it? Survivor with Kids. That sounds awful. It kind of is. It's called Karma. <laughs> oh, no. But it's a original show on HBO Max. It is Survivor with Teenagers. I feel like they tried that before. Remember that really short-lived reality show they tried where it was like, we make a bunch of kids form a society. It was like real life uh, Lord of the Flies. Bonds, bon, not Bonnaroo, not Bonsai. What am I thinking of? Yeah, I forget what it was called. Bamboo. But yeah, no, yes. Something is, island, I don't remember. No, it wasn't an island. They were in an old west town, like Bonanza You're style. Right. You're right. Yeah, I don't remember what that was called. So this Kid is Nation. not that? It was Kid Nation. Kid Nation, that's it. Yes, thank you. But this uh, is not Kid Nation. Well, they're not in a town. They're out <laughs> camping. Okay. Well, camping. They're set up in two, like, tent-like oh, yeah, summer camp-style um, huts, cabins, and are grouped up into two teams. And it's like, oh, karma, karma, karma. Every fifth thing we have to say is karma, karma, karma. Chameleon. Basically. But yeah, they they divide them up into teams and give them colors like the purple parrots, the silver snakes, the orange iguanas, uh, red jaguars. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Is this just Legends of the Hidden Temple? It felt like Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> those are those are just straight up Legends of the Hidden Temple teams. Oh no, because it was straight up like Legends of the Hidden Temple. Like they 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 do a physical challenge uh-huh. and then like have one team choose two teams to go into the. Uh, the jar room, or no, the the karma cave, <laughs> and do battle against each other. Honestly, I wish more people. Like there are some people who I just wish would go into the karma cave. If you know what I mean. 
<laughs> yeah, that's basically all it ended up being. What goes around comes around. Mm-hmm. It was the big central thing of the of the show. Wow, who would have guessed with a name like Karma? Yeah, uh, it's for kids. It's on HBO Max. It's part of their original programming. Right, eight episodes. It runs by really fast, <laughs> especially if you like beam line through everything. So yeah, if you're if you're a parent and you have to watch with your kid, at least it goes quickly. Yeah, at least it goes quickly. All right, but last but not least, you have one more thing on here. Yeah, the last thing I have on here is called something called The Last Ride, mm. which is on the WWE streaming network. Yes. So I I remember you said you were going to watch this. Now you have watched this. Yes, uh, I have watched this. We have all watched this. It concluded this past Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Last Ride is about the story of The Undertaker. Iconic, iconic wrestler, The, mm-hmm. the Undertaker. Like even right. if you heard of The Undertaker. I, right? I know who The Undertaker is, yes. Yes. <laughs> so this is about The Undertaker and his... <sighs> it's basically a Jordan S. documentary where he went away, came back, mm-hmm. wanted to go away, couldn't because he left on a sour note, so he had to come keep him back. And basically how wrestlers chase that dragon of like ending on the perfect high note. Like ending on the perfect match. But like even when you have the perfect match and walk away, you still feel like, oh, like there's still stuff left in the tank. I can still do this. And it's that chasing of, oh, I'm a wrestler. This is all I've known for the past 30 plus years. Because the guy's like 55 now. And he's been wrestling since the 90s. Mm-hmm. So he's like, okay, am I just becoming a one-off character? Or like, can I really continue to do this? What am I leaving for the next generation? It's a whole like deep inside look into the mind of a wrestler and also some backstage stuff of, oh, people who do wrestle, like, uh, like have lives outside of the ring, but like there's a lot of training that goes into it to be physically fit for something like this even at his own age where he's had multiple injuries and it goes through extensively since 2016 I believe when he first announced his initial retirement and then decided to come back so it's an interesting look into the world of wrestling and one of its more iconic wrestlers yeah is it so it's made for the WWE network Uh, is it accessible for people who aren't familiar with wrestling or is it very core targeted to the audience that's already subscribed like are they using a lot of terminology and referencing a lot of events that only like wrestling fans would get um there are a lot of events that happen big like from 2016 to now that it goes through and some of them are iconic for one reason or another but you don't have to watch the entire wrestling event because it goes through like why this happened how the undertaker felt it happened how it went the media's reaction to it or like the wwe's reaction to it and how like he just keeps progressively coming back so no you don't have to be a fan and it even does give some backstory of of how long he's been in the game Mm -hmm. or in the ring in the squared circle no the ring the ring you had a ring okay (laughs) 
But yeah, the like in the first couple of episodes give like a definite backstory, and it all culminates to him trying to give the one last ride. Okay. But yeah. Um, yeah, if you're a wrestling fan or if you're just a passive wrestling fan, like it's very informational. But it's only on the WWE Network. Only on the WWE Network. You have to get that to see it. Yep. Okay. Which it is free, or there is a free basis to the WWE Network that you don't have to subscribe to to sign up for. I believe if you can watch it through there, it's free. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's what you watched. I just really quickly want to say we finished uh, Pokemon Journeys. Um, So just to follow up the conversation last week. Yeah, that's basically what it is. It's it's basically like what I said last week about like, hey, this is going to be a compartmentalized story every week and it's going to be its own thing in maybe a different region, maybe not. That's, yeah, the rest of the thing is. Though, just as a heads up, we did not know going into this, the last episode of the current Netflix batch, the part one they're calling it, Mm -hmm. last one is a cliffhanger. Okay. It's a two-parter that they've split between parts. So we'll have to wait, I guess, until they upload more to know what happens. But it's Pokemon. doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> so yeah, no, I'm still ambivalent about this season. I think that there's interesting things about it. I think some of the animation is pretty cool. Um, but it doesn't have a personality yet. And I feel like it'll maybe take some time for them to figure it out. Well, X and Y didn't really have a personality till like the third I gym. It, I think it found it once Serena figured herself out that yeah. she didn't want to be a trainer anymore. Like that switched the story. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that moment hasn't happened here yet. And it does have me missing the sun and moon dynamic of having a big ensemble cast with where all sorts of different stories could be told. This is really missing that. And yeah. We'll see if it finds its legs, but we'll see. Yeah, I think, like, I assume the next season's going to go into stadium battlings. Mm-hmm. So I think that's when you're going to see a switch. Well, it's funny that you said that because the last, the, the, the cliffhanger I was alluding to is during a uh, big match in a Galar stadium that involves Gigantamax Pokemon. Mm-hmm. So... Something goes wrong. Oh, no. It's XYZ all over again. (laughs) More or less. Anyway. (laughs) Wait, no, it's black and white all over again. (laughs) Black and white and red all over. Anyway. uh, Oh, yeah, and I finished uh, season two of uh, Kipo, Age of the Wonder Beasts. Age of the Wonder Beasts. Uh, That was, uh, yeah, it's a good season. Like like we said last week, it really escalates the story well. And by the end of the season, there's like a lot of big lore, like big lore revelations and big changes for the characters. And yeah, it's really, really well done. Again, like I said last week, more people need to have that show on their radar. Uh, Especially in a time where there's a conversation happening um, overall, but also in an animation about diversity and representation. This is a show where there are very, very few white characters. <laughs> like they're like the three out of or two out of the three main leads are black. And the third is 
ha- like biracial because her dad is black and her mom is Asian. So, and pretty much whenever they have the choice of showing other human characters, more often than not, they are black. And it's an interesting choice that they made with the series to do that. And I noticed, and I was like, oh, that's kind of neat. Like, not, there's not, no one's really doing that. And so, yeah, it definitely, it's definitely a cool little bit that's not even like, yeah, it's not even super plot relevant, but it's really cool that they had the thought process and the willingness to do it. And so, yeah, that, that show is pretty rad. All right. Anyway, let's move on from what we've been watching to cancellations and renewals, except I should really just say renewals this week because there are no cancellations. All right. What am I still watching then? A lot of stuff. First up, Hulu, bringing back Crossing Swords for a second season and uh, Solar Opposites for a third season. Uh, Only one season is aired for Solar Opposites and they already got a renewal before that happened. It's just a renewal on top of that. So that's yes. why it says third season. People love Justin Roiland and they will watch more of his shows. Uh, HBO has renewed Hard Knocks, your favorite football training camp show, for four more seasons. And they have announced what next season's going to be, assuming it still happens. And that is a dual look at both the Los Angeles Chargers and Los Angeles Rams as they prepare for their preseason and heading into a new stadium. Wow, are you thrilled? I mean, they did the Rams in 2016 when they moved to yeah. L.A. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. Are you thrilled to get double Rams? Yes. There's more Rams than more Rams. other teams will get. The whole, the whole Ramily returns. Yep. And um, also on HBO, they've renewed Betty for a second season. Right, that is Betty, not Barry. Betty. Netflix is bringing back Cobra Kai for a third season. And if you're probably thinking, wait a minute, that wasn't on Netflix. You're right. Yeah. That was a YouTube original. And I guess yep. it will have its third season on Netflix. Yeah, but we announced that it was canceled. They said they would chop it around. Netflix is picking it up along with all the other episodes uh, that they've aired for the first two seasons. Yep. So sweep the leg. And then the leg. Yes, and then sweep. the leg. Sweep the leg. Uh, then Fox is bringing back The Great North for a second season. Uh, not bringing back, but giving a second season ahead of its premiere on <laughs> on the start of the next year. Sorry, <laughs> Some noise going on there. Um, Netflix is also uh, bringing back a couple of shows. Lucifer, formerly the Fox show Lucifer, will be having a sixth season on Netflix. So they were supposed to have a part one, part two, season five finale, but just give them season six anyways. Yeah. You know, lack of content and all. Might as well. And hashtag Black AF will get a second season. That's a show. All right. Uh, These two I added, you didn't have them down, but it was like breaking news yesterday. Uh, They waited literally to the last second to announce this, but Disney Channel officially has renewed both Amphibia and The Owl House for second seasons. Previously, they had both been on the bubble. The no word had been said about either of those shows coming back. It was assumed that they both would. Um, But fans finally got confirmed yesterday uh, that they will be both returning. And 
those new seasons literally start next month. Yeah, I've been eyeing Amphibia on Disney+. You should watch it. You should watch it. Both of these shows are excellent. Uh, both of the new seasons start on uh, July 11th. And also the creators on Twitter were very fast to point out that unlike last time, um, especially with Amphibia, this will not be a bingeable release schedule. This will be a proper weekly release on Disney Channel. Shocking. I am yeah. shocked. That um, never happens. The creator of Amphibia was specifically like had a Twitter thread about how excited he was because he was basically straight up like, I hated the rollout of season one. I hate binge binge rollouts of shows. Like it means like it's bad for plot development. So they basically wrote this season to be a weekly show because they were banking on doing, getting it, and they gave, they gave it to them. So I'm really, really interested. Also, they announced some guest characters and voices for this season, and none other than uh, Kermit the Frog will be in an episode of Amphibia somehow oh. this season. Yeah, I was like, whoa, okay, that's a get. Yeah, um, well, briefly on that, the Disney, because it's Disney and Kermit, uh, Muppets Now got its first trailer today. Yeah, so that's not them trying the Muppets, the ABC sitcom again. This is a reality show. I don't know if it's no, reality or YouTube bitch. Like it's scripted, but it's about the Muppets being on a reality show or putting on a reality show. That's what I had read. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and it seemed like, it's like okay, so it's Muppets with guests and. Yeah. A legal order? I guess. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm interested in that thing. I'll be uh I'll check it out. All right, that's it for cancellations and renewals. Let's talk about a couple few deaths here. Uh first up, Sir Ian Holm, age eighty-eight. An actor was in Alien, Chariots, Fire, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, he was Bilbo Baggins in Lord of the Rings. Okay. Um Steve Bing, age 55, an executive producer and screenwriter of Shangri-La Entertainment, uh, I guess wrote Kangaroo Jack? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And rules don't apply. Um, We have Dame Vera Lynn, age 103, a British singer uh, famous for We'll Meet Again and The White Cliffs of Dover. Two very influential songs. Yeah. Important yeah. songs, notable standards, songs. Standards, you could standards. say. Standards. Yeah. And then last, uh, lastly, the biggest one I saw this week, uh, director Joel Schumacher, age 80, uh, famous for, of course, The Lost Boys, Falling Down, but mostly, unfortunately, famous for uh, being the uh, person who directed the Batman movies people don't like. Uh, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin. So, you mean Batman George Clooney, Batman Val Kilmer? George Cl- George Clooney, Val Kilmer, Batman. So yeah, um, what I noticed is that even though they were trashed on for like the last twenty years, I noticed there lately there's like an uptick in people appreciating them again. So I guess if you have an appreci- if you know what you're getting into, I guess they could be fun, campy movies. Uh, but yeah, I remember them being critically derided uh, when they came out and after. Well, it's because they came out. They came from 
Batman, Michael Keaton Batman, Michael which Keaton. was a dark take on comic books. And this was more of a light, like campy take on comic book movies in the yeah. 90s. It definitely created this kind of like image of, oh no, we need to course correct this, which gave us the Nolan Batman films, which if you thought Batman 1989 is supposed to be dark, <laughs> like those movies are dark. I mean, One the dark night? The dark night, exactly. So yeah. Um, yeah, he'll be remembered for sure. Uh, like I think a lot of people this week have been talking about specifically how he was able to inject a like a campy kind of um spirit to these movies that kind of uh gave a peek into like like different lifestyles especially the gay lifestyle because he was a gay man um into things that wouldn't necessarily have it like um somebody was saying in batman forever there's a plot point where it's like the the villain is basically giving Batman the choice between the female love interest and the male sidekick. And <laughs> you can read into that the way you want. And ultimately Batman saves them both, which again, you can read them, re- read into that the way you want. <laughs> anyway. anyway. So yeah, they'll be remembered. Let's move on to music. And I hand this over to you. All right. We always start music with the billboard and we start billboard with the hot 100 what's that the hottest song hottest single out there is trolls not trolls world tour but <laughs> trolls with a z by rapper takashi sure. 69 yes i thought we um all agreed we hated him nope he's back in fact now he has number one song why because Do people just forget because 2020, that's that's my answer. Is this a TikTok thing? Uh, I don't know. But also Nicki Minaj is in this, so that might be why. So it's really Nicki Minaj then? Eh, I haven't heard it, but maybe. All right, well, we also have a number two, Rockstar by Baby, featuring Roddy Rich. Mm-hmm. At number three, we have The Bigger Picture by Lil Baby. <laughs> At number four, Savage by Megan The Stallion, featuring Beyonce. And at number five, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd. Yep. As for your album, start your Billboard 200. Uh, at number one, My Turn by Lil Baby. Lil Baby's having a good, uh, good week here. A lot of babies this week. At number two, Chromatica by Lady Gaga. At number three, Blame it on baby by the baby. Mm-hmm. At number four, Hollywood's bleeding by Post Malone, making a nice yeah. turn. I'm not sure why it just sort of happened. Because it's Post Malone, everyone got bored with all the new stuff. Yeah, I guess so, and went back to Post Malone. And at number five, Dark Lane demo tapes by Drake because Drake. Yep. yep. If you didn't like any of those albums, we have new releases. <laughs> First up, we have Kick One by Arca. I'm not sure if it's Kick One or Kick I, like capital I. It, the way that it alternates between capitals and lowercase made me have no idea what that's supposed to be. Yes, but you see how there's a space? So it's space, yeah. capital, and then lowercase. I. Kick I. I don't know. Lowercase L then? Maybe, yeah. I don't know. 
Pickle uh, we also have. Wait, is this a un- soundtrack for the NES game Kickle Cubicle? No, but it's by Arca. Not Arco. Not Orca. Arca. But Arca. Uh, we also have Cubicle. Untenable by Bad Moves. I'll be checking this out. Women in Music, Part 3 by Haim. 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 Thank you. Uh, if I haven't listened to part one or part two, will I understand what happens in Woman in Music part three? No, you'll be completely lost. Okay. <laughs> we also have What's Your Pleasure by Jesse Ware, taking Ware. from a 90s ad there. <laughs> uh, we also, and lastly, The Absence of Presence by <laughs> Kansas. Yes, that Kansas? The entire state of Kansas. No, the band. Yes, Kansas. yes, the band Kansas. Yes, which took its name from the band Boston. <laughs> no, Boston's a city. Kansas is a state. Yes, but Boston came after Kansas. No, Kansas came after Boston. <laughs> My brain hurts. <laughs> well, your brain's going to hurt even more when we talk about Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Here we go. All right, because Justin Bieber's in the news as he has refuted an allegation that he sexually assaulted a woman in 2014. Wait, 2014? Was he like 12? (laughs) He's not that young. I assume he's that young. In 2014, Uh, he would have been... This is six years ago. 18, maybe? Uh, maybe 15, 18? Late teens. Late teens. That's my guess. All right. Um, yeah, well, uh, he's been accused of sexual assault, of sexual assault by a woman in 2014, providing a litany of evidence in the form of receipts, emails, social media, and press reports to back up his claims that it did not happen. A woman posted from an anonymous Twitter account on Saturday night claiming that he sex claiming the alleged assault happened at a Four Seasons hotel in Austin, Texas on March 9th of 2014, which would have been the year Bieber made a surprise appearance at the South by Southwest Music Festival. Quote I don't normally address things as I have dealt with random accusations my entire career, but after talking with my wife and team, I have decided to speak up on an issue tonight. Uh, That Bieber had wrote, referencing Haley Bieber and his manager, Scooter Braun and Allison Key at Scooter Braun Projects, Mm -hmm. who have represented him for his entire career up until Scooter Braun decided to purchase uh, Big Machine Records. But he still represents Justin Bieber. That has not changed. No, but I just need to remind everyone that he had purchased yep, same Big Scooter Machine Braun, Records. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. Quote, rumors are rumors, but sexual abuse is something I don't take lightly. I wanted to speak out right away, but out of respect to so many victims who deal with these issues daily, I wanted to make sure I gathered the facts before I made any statement. End quote. Um, yeah, he definitely seemed like he needed to prove very, very quickly that this was not something that he did. Um, which is usually a red flag. Um, 
So as listeners surely know, I am more than likely going to take the believe women approach here and assume that if somebody was brave enough to come out with a story like this, that there's a kernel of truth to it. That being said, um, you know, there's been no research into this, no case has been made. Um, so we'll see what comes out of the story and, um, you know, we'll pass, wait till past judgment until then. Uh, but this is troubling news. Also, the other kind of wrinkle to this, as you mentioned, Scooter Braun, not the most trustworthy person right now. So I'm not sure if you want to put him in your camp as evidence of your innocence. So, you know, uh, that's basically how I feel about this thing. I'm going to, um, I'm choosing to maybe put a little bit more faith into the uh, story of the woman here, uh, but we'll wait to see what happens. I think this may be an issue with Aziz, uh, similar to Aziz Ansari, where something probably did happen, but not to the extent of what people may be saying. I mean, I don't know what the statement is. I did not see it, and it's not in this story. Um, So I can't, past i can't really talk speak to that in either so i can't really say right and we don't really deal on rumors or judgments here no yeah i mean we the try story and stick to facts based in stories but the story, story came from the story justin bieber is the yes. thing and that's why this is a story and yeah like it needs to be said that there are some questions now about about bieber's impropriety so we'll see what happens but, yeah we shall see yikes Wait, so do we like Justin Bieber now? I've never really cared for Justin Bieber, so I think I'm fine. Same. That's <laughs> why I'm wondering, like, wait, are, are we siding with anyone here? Uh, well, again, like I said, is that there's not enough information to, quote, side. What I am going to say is that typically I err on the side of believing women who stand up to talk about assault because it's not an easy thing to do. So when they do come out and say, I am more likely to believe their story than the refute, like than the, the, the response the man gives or the person who has the alleged assault gives. He's like, I'd rather, I'd ra- I'd rather believe that this is not, this is, this is something that, that she believes she was hurt by, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, well, okay. anyways, it doesn't seem like he's going to be putting on a concert anytime soon. No. Nor anyone will be putting on a concert no. anytime soon. Unless. Unless you have to buy a $100 ticket to a drive-in movie theater. All right. Let's talk about drive-in concerts. Well, um, as this pandemic uh, has seized up the live entertainment industry, drive-in concerts have been floated as a safe replacement for audiences, you know, wanting some live music. Uh, say jonesing. I'm not saying jonesing. Jonesing. No. I've got a jones. I've got a concert jones. Unless this involves Quincy Jones. <laughs> or some other jones of that aspect. <laughs> no. What about a basketball jones? Do you have one? I got a basketball jones. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, concert jones. Anyways, concert jones. Um, <laughs> Concert Jones, a.k.a. Live Nation, has announced the first large-scale drive-in concert series in the U.S. beginning in July. Mm -hmm. The live entertainment giant on Monday announced Live 
from the drive-in, a series of nine concerts taking place July 10th through the 12th in Nashville, Tennessee, Maryland Heights, Missouri, and Noblesville, Indiana. Country star Brad Paisley will headline shows in all three cities and will be joined by Darius Rucker and John Party in Nashville at Nissan Stadium with country-adjacent <laughs> rapper Nelly performing <laughs> in Maryland Heights near St. Louis. He did do that song with Tim McGraw that one time. He's country-adjacent. I mean, he also did the song with a Florida Georgia line. That's right. He's, he's a double, a, a double country adjacent. Uh, the news was first reported by the Associated Press because they report everything. Yeah. Uh, the arrangement calls for Paisley to perform in the parking lot of the amphitheaters where vehicles with a maximum of four people per car mm-hmm will park in every third space to allow room for attendees to tailgate. Mm. Attendees are encouraged to bring their own food, drinks, and chairs setting up around their cars to view the performers from the stage and also from large LED screens. The Missouri concert is expected to hold as many as 1,000 cars while incorporating social distancing guidelines. Now, these are actual live concerts we're talking about with people in a live settings. This is different from what's going to happen this weekend Mm -hmm. where Garth Brooks Brooks will be having a concert streamed uh, to different drive-in theaters, which you can go to. Yeah, different thing. That's a completely different thing. This is an actual live concert we're talking about in... 2020 happening so conceptually this seems pretty cool i think the idea of being able to drive up with your own snacks and chairs park your car plop down in the spot next to your car and enjoy a concert with three of your family members is pretty rad i think i think it like like it's a good adequate amount of space I think that it's a good solution to the problem of having a concert. And you get to have it with your family. I think it's pretty cool. The logistics may be the problem here. There's only so many... Enforcing people to stay within their boundaries. There's that. But not only that, there's also the logistics of how big these lots are. How many cars can they admit? So if you basically extrapolate the parking lot size to four people per car, you can only sell that many tickets. So the prices probably shoot up, as you kind of said earlier. You, you pay per be car. $100, hundreds of dollars per ticket because you're talking about they need to recoup the costs of putting on a concert. You're probably talking, I mean, the Garth Brooks concert, uh, which is only at a drive-in theater, is $100 per car. Now, you can pack as many people as you want into said car. Yeah. Up to four people. But. But yeah. it's still a hundred, it's still per car basis. Yeah. I would imagine you have a similar thing here. Uh, and the other thing is only, so, that's a lot of space required for this to work. So only certain areas are going to even be able to pull this off. 
You're not, not only that, this is an outdoor concert, so yeah. noise complaints yeah. go into effect immediately. But you're going to, I mean, you'll see this in, I think, places with very, very large parking lots, but not everybody everywhere has those. Um, so, like, yeah, you're not going to have something like this in New York City, mm-hmm. for instance. And, yeah, it's it's a complicated thing. I think conceptually they're on to something, but the actual have like having to put this together is maybe where it falls apart. I mean, you still got to get everyone together to perform. Yeah. Then there's the question about is the crew, um, you know, adequately safe? Are the, you know, like are the performers adequately safe? Like what's happening that side of the operation? how much is it VIP to get like up front and center and how early you have to be there? And will they like blockade off? Like you can only go up to this line and then you have like 10 bros with their giant 10 trucks all lining that front. So you can't even see over them. When you're trying to get Brad Paisley's attention, do you flash your brights? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Don't do that. Don't flash your brights at Brad Paisley saying that now, maybe at Nelly. No, no, not at Nelly. Anyway. Anyway, it could be a unique experience. Yeah, unique. Um, yeah. I mean, we're not going to go, but... I mean, no, because it's not in California. Yes. Uh, but we'll see in a, a handful of uh, weeks here, uh, see how these go and whether or not Live Nation will plan on doing more. Yep. All right. Uh, you listened to something. Yeah, real quick. Uh, last week we talked about new Phoebe Bridgers record, Punisher. Uh, being released. I checked this thing out. Um, it's very good. I like Phoebe. Um, she is most recently known as a collaborator in uh, the band's uh, Better Oblivion Community Center, which she performed with uh, former bride, former and current, I think they just announced a new record, uh, Bride Eyes uh, lead singer Connor Oberst, and um, also with uh, her band Boy Genius, which is her uh, Julian Julian Baker and uh, Lucy Dacus, but this is her second solo record. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed this thing. It's definitely probably it's probably going to be high high on my list this year. It's like everything I love about Phoebe, uh, with even better production. It's excellent. This thing is really really good. Um, it's kind of a folky kind of inspired kind of thing, folky indie kind of thing. So to get an idea of what it is. Uh, yeah, it's it's real good for for people who are into that sort of thing. Nice. Now, now this is someone who's different from Phoebe Waller-Bridge, right? Right. Yes, she's often confused with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She is not Phoebe Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Okay. No, because this is Bridgers. Okay. Two different uh, people. Two different people. All right. Anything else about that? Good. No good. That's it. That's it. Okay. Uh, let's head on right into video games. Yep. Big week. Yep. Uh, first up, Ninjala for the Switch. Caller X Malice for the Switch. <laughs> the Almost Gone for the Switch and PC. And lastly, Hunting Simulator 2 for the PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC. So, yeah, basically no releases this week. <laughs> no releases, because everything came out last week. <laughs> All right, but 
Speaking of last week, we continue with E3. I, I'm calling it fake E3. I know you're calling it fake E3, but we have EA news because they had their own EA state of play going on. No, state of play is the PlayStation thing. EA play is what they're calling the EA thing. Yeah, but they made a statement about it. So it's their statement of play, state of play. Statement of the great mint, double mint gum. Okay, just tell us what happened at the EA play event. All right, well, if you're into EA plays <laughs> and playing EA games, do I have some news for you? Yeah, not a whole lot, actually. Did you watch no, this no. thing? I did not watch this I thing. I watched this thing, and man, it was nothing. But let's talk about what it was. All right, so we got a whole bunch of nothing going on, including a ton of EA games are coming to Steam. Yeah, uh, this is part of part and parcel with EA Access. Their subscription service is coming to Steam as well. So they just did the port work. So EA Origins? Exactly. So that's the thing, is that this is basically them kind of easing off of Origin. Origin will still exist, but they will also be supporting a lot of their games on Steam. So, so will I no longer need an Origin account because I don't know what so my login is anymore? <laughs> that's a little unclear. It might just be you're buying it on Steam and installing it from Steam and launching it from Steam, but it still might require a Origin login when you play the game. Kind of like how you're still required to have an origin login when you play on an Xbox, for example. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I'm sure it'll be the same thing for the Steam. I know. I hate it. It's dumb. Yeah, but it is what it is. All right. We also have a way out uh, devs with a new game called It Takes Two, colon. It Takes Two to make things yeah, go right. which is a co-op game driven by emotion. <laughs> oh, Carl Ray Jepsen's in this. No. I wish, but no. But yeah, um, yeah, A Way Out is the cop and criminal. That was the, the yeah, the prison off. break game that came out uh, earlier in this generation. This is that guy. Remember the guy who was at the video game awards and said, fuck the Oscars? It's that dude. <laughs> yep. Uh, EA also announced Lost in Random, which is a cartoony game with luck-themed gameplay and a sentient die. Yeah, your your best friend in this game is a die. Like not a death. One, a die. Die, die, die. <laughs> uh, EA is publishing Rocket Arena, a hero shooter with smash-like knockoff mechanics. So you shoot rockets at each other. It's like an arena kind of Overwatch kind of thing, except you don't die. You don't like fall apart into bloody chunks. Instead, like Smash Brothers, your percentage goes up. And the higher percentage you have, makes it more likely for you to get catapulted off of the stage, which is how you die. So this is Halo all rocket launchers? Sort of. Actually, Rocket Arena in itself gets its name from a Quake mod from back in the day, which was basically like, what if Quake but just rocket launchers? Same same concept. Yeah, it comes from that kind of spirit, but they're really leaning into the hero shooter part. So all of the characters are very like cartoony, broad designed, and have personalities and names and stuff, special abilities. Okay. Uh, we also have the first gameplay for Star Wars Squadrons, which yeah. was briefly teased last week. Yeah, they said that this thing was going to be a space shooter in the Star Wars universe. The gameplay 
backs that up. That's what it is. Except notably, it's a first-person only game. So it's not like the Rogue Squadron Rogue Leader games where you saw from a third-person perspective. Mm-hmm. It's closer to the PC, X-Wing, and TIE Fighter games where it is just cockpit view. It's 5v5 dogfighting, aerial ace combat. They did say that there will be, yeah, there's an emphasis on multiplayer, but they did say there will be some sort of campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd imagine it's Battlefield style, where it's a campaign with like a loose story around it, but really it's just like AI battles. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, it seems like they're trying to make this for the hardcore Star Wars fans. Um, So it's interesting that it exists. Uh, speaking of things that exist Madden and FIFA Next Generations exist yeah they showed off some pretty nice looking footage I mean at this point in the burgeoning console generation is usually when you see the fancy Madden and it looks like fancy Madden it looks like a slightly better version of what we're getting this generation yep Uh, we also had early footage of new Battlefield and Bioware titles yeah, nothing announced explicitly from those franchises and or studios, uh, but they showed some basically like early alpha footage of both of those, like a big scene of a bunch of soldiers in a battlefield game and like some crazy uh, scenery from a, a supposed Bioware game. But no word on what those will be. You have to, uh, It's important to note that Bioware still technically has a Dragon Age game that was announced for this generation that has not been shown still. So is that a next-gen thing now? Like, it has to be, right? Because otherwise we would have seen it. Yeah, I think at this point it has to be next-gen, right? So yeah, it was very telling that EA completely just did not say a word about it. So we'll see. Well, last thing about EA is that a new skate game is in the works. I assume to really battle the Tony Hawk Pro Skater rehanced thing. So that's one theory is that Activision out of nowhere decided that Tony Hawk mattered again. But I think the other part of it is that their community has been pushing for a skate four for a literal like for years at this point. And like almost every social media post that EA puts up skate four is constantly hashtagged <laughs> and this is finally them admitting that yeah fine we'll make a new skate game they did not specifically say skate four which probably tells you a lot about maybe what this thing is uh, they just said that they will be making a skate game of some sort so we'll see what it is later see what it is that's EA's news but what about everyone else Yes, everything else in fake E3 week two. You mean the bits? The bits. The bits. Uh, including bits that happened today. This morning. This morning, even. As Pokemon had its new, next announcement of a new game that everyone immediately hated, apparently. <laughs> For different reasons. What could they hate about a Pokemon game? <laughs> Could it be that it's from Tencent? Uh-huh. Could it be that it's a mobile and Switch game? Or could it be that it's a 5v5 MOBA-like League of Legends Pokemon game called Pokemon Unite? Yeah. So last night I had seen, uh, I knew that this was happening this morning. And I just by happenstance, I looked at a reset era thread that was like people trying to guess 
what the reveal was going to be. Yes. And they ran a poll in this message, like message board thread, and everybody thought for sure it was going to be a sequel to Pokemon Let's Go set in Johto. And that seemed to be the most popular thing. Everybody was like, oh, in the background of last week's video, there was Gen 2 Pokemon in the background. This has to be what it is. Nobody saw this coming. The hardest of hardcore Pokemon fans, if you would have told them that this was going to be a MOBA, that they were going to wake up to a Pokemon MOBA, they would have never believed you. (laughs) And yet I checked Twitter in the morning at like seven when I woke up and I was like, Pokemon MOBA? Which <laughs> looks interesting. So, yeah. So, if you're not, if the listener is not familiar with the term MOBA, which you probably aren't, um, League of Legends, yes, you're right. League of Legends, Legends is the best Dota comparison. Are kind of the frames of reference. Um, yeah, where you have champions as your player and you go around yeah. collecting bases and defeating enemies. Or in this yeah. case, Collecting Pokemon. Yeah, and there are lanes, which is the thing. There's always lanes in these games. And yeah, that, that's how you can basically determine what a MOBA is. How's yeah. the map look? Yeah, exactly. There's lanes that lead to kind of the the goal, the, the crystal or whatever kind of the thing is at the end. Arena, platform, tower-ish. Yeah, things. whatever it may be. And there's like, yeah, there's like fodder enemies that you can get, like, kill off to make experience. You can use that experience to basically unlock new abilities as you play. It, and that, none of that is permanent, of course. It's just for that match. And then that fuels your like super moves that are different per, I guess in this case, the Pokemon you're playing. Mm-hmm. And that's how you ultimately can defeat other players and the goal. Um, yeah, it's a, one of the most popular, arguably the most popular genre of game right now beyond Fortnite is your League of of Legends. So it's really, really smart for Pokemon to make a play here in this space. Because there isn't really... Even League of Legends doesn't necessarily shout children. You know, it's not necessarily something that's associated with younger players. So to explicitly market a MOBA to younger players is both really, really smart and absolutely terrifying because the other half of this part of its popularity as a genre is it's incredibly addictive and two incredibly predatory in microtransactions you have to pay to unlock champions yeah these games usually have yeah usually free to play but with layers of you have to pay for new new like in this case new pokemon you have to play for like skins pay pay for skins you have to pay for like themes there's layers and layers of these games of microtransactions to make up for the fact that they're free-to-play games and yeah, imagine that's the case here's the genius about it i play fantasy league of legends fantasy uh-huh. i know nothing about league of legends <laughs> i've watched several matches yeah. And I'm like, okay, I kind of understand what's going on. I looked at this trailer once. And I was like, I completely understand what is happening. I know what is yeah. going on. It is MOBA land to its most simplest form, yeah. skinned with something that everyone ha- can understand because it's a Pokemon game. This, if handled correctly, and if it finds an audience fast enough, could potentially be a really big deal. The way that they announced it, specifically the little video that they put 
sure makes me think that they think it's a big deal. They're setting this thing up like it's the next big Pokemon thing. They want this to be Pokemon Go because when Pokemon Go was released and at its height, it was reeling in a billion, a million dollars a day. Yeah. Billions of dollars in like the first quarter. So the kind of the, the, the double-edged sword part about this though is that as great as this is going to be to the MOBA audience and for a wider audience of people who are interested in MOBAs but maybe haven't been able to play one because of the daunting barrier of entry, like you'll get those people. But the worry that I have and what you kind of said at the beginning of this story the hardcore Pokemon fans hate this because it's not what they want. They didn't want a MOBA. They wanted a Pokemon game. This is too far outside of the core's um, like comfort zone that you're seeing a backlash to it. Nobody wanted Pokemon Dungeons when it came out. Yeah. And it has a popular fan base. Nobody wanted Pokemon Snap when it came out, <laughs> but it has a very popular fan base, enough that it, at 20 years later, they finally get their sequel. <laughs> Nobody wanted new generation of Pokemon, yet we constantly get it. I mean, yes, technically. Like there's always a line between there's always a line between giving what your fans have been asking for and giving what your fans don't know that they want. And yeah, there's an element of that here, but ultimately this is just business savvy. And I think that the fact that this is a Tencent joint is really clear that the Pokemon Company International wants to really exercise the international part of their name. They want this thing to be big overseas. This is a this is a play to China. This is, I mean, hell, this that's probably why this is its own separate video, and probably why Tencent is heavily featured on it. Like they yeah. even call them out specifically. Yes, this is copyright Tencent at the bottom of the like the, yes. the home screen of this video game, and that's very telling. Yeah. Um, yeah, I am very interested to see how this pans out because, holy crap, yeah, this could either be an enormous disaster or be the thing that, like, blows Pokemon up to an upper echelon. That as long as it doesn't become, like, a full-bloated pay-to-win style game, Yeah, which it has the very easy possibility to do, I mean, just look at Pokemon Go, how that ballooned into it. But they could very easily rival League of Legends with a known quantity that is Pokemon. I mean, that's the question, right? That's the question is, the question now is, is whether or not there's room in the MOBA space for a third game. There's League, there's Dota, and then there hasn't been really anything else. I mean... Blizzard tried with Heroes of the Storm and failed. Right. Like if Blizzard failed at the thing that they arguably created, <laughs> then maybe there isn't space. Maybe there's a limited number of people who are into this thing and they are already playing League. Like this, that's the, the other option here is like this might not work at all. But if it does, there were also a limited number of people playing AR games until Pokemon Go came out. I mean, there was one AR game when Pokemon game when Pokemon Go came out, and it was made by the people who made Pokemon Go. Right, by you, Diddy. <laughs> yeah, um, um, yeah, those guys, Niantic. Niantic. And so, yeah, it's like who the hell knows how this is going to go? But I am fascinated by 
a Pokemon MOBA. I will never play it, but I am fascinated by I it. I am interested in playing it because I can look at that and understand what I need to do. Whereas if I look at something like Dota 2 or League of Legends, I'm like, where do I even begin? Who do I even choose? Yeah. Whereas with this, it's like, oh, I know what Charizard does. I know what Squirtle does. I know what Snorlax does. I know what Talonflame does, which is like, yay. Good, good for yeah. Talonflame getting in there. Good for Talonflame. I like Talonflame. Yeah. Um, the last thing I'll say about it, though, is that there, the thing said it is in development and did not say anything about a release date. So nope. I would imagine this is not a 2020 game. This is probably something slated for next year. If we do see it playable this year, it'll be a beta. This is something that they're going to have to play test to death in order for it to be successful. Yep. Uh, we'll see. All right. And that's all the news we have. No, there's more bits, believe it or not. All right, fine. Don't more dwell bits. as much on the, these other, do it, uh, the other bits. All right. Uh, Mar- uh, the Crystal Dynamics game, Marvel's Avengers, will be yes. available next gen at launch, and current gen owners will get the free upgrade. Yep. Um, they also announced that its name, uh, Marvel's Avengers War Room, and it's basically Destiny. They set yeah. it up like Destiny. It's going to be Destiny. Of- Knew it was going to be Destiny, but with superheroes. That's basically what it is. Yep. Uh, even like so much as the mapping and certain skins being locked, it's yep. all Destiny filled. Destiny. Uh, we also have Microsoft is shutting down Mixer officially and will instead collab with Facebook Gaming for its streaming. Yep. Mixer is dead. That means that all that money that Ninja made going over to Mixer. He's not so, out of that contract, can go back to Twitch. So, yeah, it seemed like the way that those contracts were done with people like Ninja was all up front. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's actually harming him much. I think oh, no, that they probably just told him this and he was like, all right, <laughs> he probably will just, yeah, he'll hop right back to Twitch and nothing, as if nothing had happened. I think what Microsoft found out here is that there was kind of like the MOBO thing, actually, I was just talking about, is what they discovered was moving big streamers to another streaming platform did not move their audience. They found out the people who watch Twitch stayed in the Twitch ecosystem. They didn't move to Mixer. Which is what we kind of called when we, made, when we saw this announcement being made. Yeah. So this is Microsoft admitting defeat and just being like, all right, cool. And it's also then making a deal with Facebook so that way they don't have to run the streaming servers, which is really smart. Um, Yeah. So talks Mixer aside with Zoom and soon-to-be Skype. (laughs) So yeah, I would definitely not... um, I would say that if I was uh, Microsoft, and I would definitely definitely not make a deal with Facebook right now, but hey, um, there's no accounting for taste. Also, there's not a whole lot of places they could go. Periscope, maybe. As you pointed out, yeah, they needed the firepower. They needed a company to partner with with enough firepower to take on Amazon and Google. And mm-hmm. Facebook, that's a, that's a company that has that. So there you go. Yep. Uh, as was pointed out to me a couple months ago, Amazon is at war with everybody. And yep. Twitch is one of them. Yep. Twitch is part of Amazon. Yeah, they're, 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 they're no holds barred when it comes to their service. Mm-hmm. All right. Last two things real quick here. Uh, Min Min from ARMS is going to be the next Smash DLC character. She has ARMS. Much to the Kingdom Hearts community uh, 
the Grin? They said it was going to be an ARMS character. We knew it was going to be a character from ARMS. I know. <laughs> uh, and lastly, Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Launched for later this year. Are you excited? It is not Crash Bandicoot 4. Wait. Yes, it is. The name of the game is Crash Bandicoot 4. Uh, it can be called Crash Bandicoot 4, but it's are not the, saying, fourth move, the fourth game. Are you saying that that Crash Bandicoot game they made for the PlayStation 2 is Crash Bandicoot 4? Yes. Okay. It wasn't called Crash Bandicoot 4. It was called uh, Wrath of Cortex. Yeah. That's not correct. There's no 4 in that name. It, it was basically 4, though. No, this, the is next the fourth, one. this is the fourth Crash Bandicoot game. <laughs> that was the fourth one. Because it, because it was the first game on the PS2. So they dropped I the numbers know. and did a, I know, but this thing. one's called four. <laughs> anyway. No. So yeah, it sounds it seems like from all footage uh, that this is in the style of the first three games. It seems to be running on the, the hardware of the remakes. Uh, we knew this was happening. Like this is an easy, easy move. Yep. All right, and that's it. We're done. We have some thoughts though about. Okay, some video so we have game. some thoughts real quickly. Uh, Pokemon Isle of Armor. So yeah, I played a lot more um, after when I talked about kind of the first few minutes of it last week. Um, it's pretty cool, but I think it'll be disappointing to some people because there's not an actual whole lot of story to get through. There's maybe four to five hours of new, like, actual story content in the new region. Um, the rest of the game is basically like, hey, catch all 140 of the new Pokemon. That's the real reason to buy this. So if you're buying this to get new characters and story, that's not worth it. Like, it's not worth the $15 of this $30 package. What is, though, is the 140 new Pokemon that you can get. Some fan favorites like Scyther. So, like, yeah. If there's a lot of really good uh, Pokemon in here that I think that if you care about that, if that was your problem with Sword and Shield was that your favorites weren't in it, check the lineup, and if they have it, I think it's worth it. Yeah, that was my one concern, is that it's just going to be a whole lot of new Pokemon catching and a whole lot of new game. That's, yeah, not a whole lot of new game, but a whole lot of new Pokemon. So okay. that's what it is. And new clothing items and hairstyle options if you're into that kind of thing, which I am. So my, tra- my trainer <laughs> looks fresh. Um, but yeah, uh, it is exactly that. So if you were expecting some big revelation, it's not here. There is one kind of thing that I don't want to spoil because it's real, it's like a big deal to some people, but might not be a big deal to other people. Um, but there is a feature, a gameplay feature that was in previous games that hadn't been in Sword and Shield that is unlocked um, by the end of the campaign here. Um, Acorns, right? Apricorns are back, which is really funny because I mentioned Apricorns last week's podcast not yes. knowing that. But that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. It's a mechanic that is only that is unlocked, but only unlocked for the Isle of Armor. It's pretty cool, and longtime Pokemon fans will be happy to see it return. But it's pretty small in the grand scheme of things. Okay. And uh, so while we're talking about Pokemon, Pokemon Cafe Mix. 
Okay, so I'm very divided about Pokemon Cafe Mix. Last week we talked about when it was revealed, it looked like it was some sort of mobile puzzle game with some sort with really cute art and some sort of like unlocking things from your cafe feature. So it turns out that's exactly what it is, and that is as cool and as disappointing as that makes it sound. Because the art is super, super cute. There's so many cute designs of Pokemon in this thing. There's cute designs for the coffee and snacks that you're selling at the cafe. And that's the best part of the game, because actually playing the puzzle game kind of sucks. Oh. It's like, you know those games that are like grids of colors and you want to delete the, like, touch the groups of the same color so they disappear and create... Oh, you mean that Tune Pop ad that I always delete? Yeah, like that. Yeah. So, Tune this kind of like that, except imagine that you had to make a trail of all of those, and they were kind of floating in these, in this, like, kind of liquid kind of, like... Oh, free-floating? Yeah, they're free-floating, so they're all moving around while mm. you're doing so that's basically the idea. You're trying to match same Pokemon icons and make them disappear so you can cause more combos to happen. The thing is, is that that's it. And the only thing that they do to complicate it is by adding obstacles, like things you have to destroy by making matches nearby. So there'll be like sugar cubes in the, cor- in the center. And if you make matches by the sugar cubes, the sugar cubes will break over time. And there's a power-up mechanic you earn a certain amount of points, you'll get a power-up that's basically just an explosion that happens that destroys those sugar cubes or just tiles. Um, Some of those explosions are certain directions, like some of them go only down, only left, only right, only up, etc. And that kind of helps you do the puzzles. That's it. That's literally it. And the free-to-play layer on top of that is you have five lives. Thankfully, you only lose a life if you lose a game. It's not like per try, thankfully. So it's not that heinous. Um, there are power-ups that you can buy. Yeah, um, in app purchases. That you have some demo ones at the beginning to try out. And there are packs that you can buy uh, to unlock new Pokemon staff members for your cafe. So there's a pack you can buy right now, week one, to unlock Pikachu when you can just unlock Pikachu by playing for five days. (laughs) So it's that kind of game. Okay. I'm really disappointed. I was hoping for a little better of a puzzle, and the puzzle that's here is not very interesting and not very fun and kind of frustrating. So it's not great. It's not good. It's not a good game. If you thought that wasn't good, boy, do I have a game to talk about right now. Okay. Kingdom Hearts Dark Road. Oh, I was going to talk about that game. (laughs) Because... Okay, well, actually, what were you going to talk about? I legitimately don't know. <laughs> I assume we're going to go mobile to mobile here. Yeah, mobile to mobile. Uh, Kingdom Hearts Dark Road, it is uh, basically an expansion to the Union Cross app. Um, it's new. It's really short. There's only one chapter available, so it feels really incomplete, but much like with um, Union Cross, it evolved over time to include more story elements, which I assume is what's going to happen here. But it's only like the first 20 chapters. 
and it's really a, just a brief intro. It feels like a prologue to a game that is really incomplete and not out yet. I am disappointed with what I got, but I see potential. It's just that I don't know how often it will be updated, and I think that's one of the big thing, big negatives about it is that you get here's a little taste enough that I beat it in like two hours. <laughs> And then it was like, okay, now where do I go? I didn't even think it was two hours, like an hour. I was like, okay, now what? Do I just grind my player level? Because I have to keep grinding in order to increase my player level. But I also have to get more medals by completing weekly and monthly missions. And yeah, it's just a grind. It's like, uh, do I want to do through this? Maybe not. Yeah, it sounds like the worst. Yeah. Uh, But... That brings us to our last game, uh, The Last of Us Part Two, and I know we hit two hour mark here. So. Okay. Um, yeah. I'm going about- to keep my thoughts brief on this yeah, because I haven't do a be- whole podcast on this. I haven't beaten the game yet. Okay. I assume I am halfway through. Okay. And I only assume that based on story narrative of what I would make happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've played through most of the campaign the mechanics are so smooth the game is so beautiful the story is so great it's so well done i am curious as to where the second half of this thing goes because where i'm at it made a big switch on me i was not expecting it i was not prepared for it Mm -hmm. and now i'm like okay let's see what this is are they gonna make me care more about this Mm -hmm. make me actually feel things now because up until this point it was like pretty much a straightforward streamlined game and now here comes the big twist and i have to go through this whole next i want to assume half of the game to fully unveil the whole story and yeah yeah i haven't been spoiled i I haven't looked up anything i haven't looked up any like walkthroughs like okay how far am i from the end here where am i at i haven't looked at anything so what i'm gonna say is i have peaked I have looked at some spoilers. Um, I vaguely more or less know what happens. I'm not going to say, like, even hint at any of it, though. All I'm going to say is what I've heard from people who are playing the game without any sort of story nuances to it. And from what I understand from people who are playing the game is that, yeah, it kind of becomes a different kind of animal um, the second half of the game. So you are at the tipping point, from what I understand. And things get crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it definitely switched. I was like, okay, I'm only going to be here for a little bit. <laughs> and then it opened up, and I was like, wait. Yeah. There's a lot more stuff to unlock. If I'm going to 100% this, or at least yeah. you know, unlock everything, wow, there's a lot more here than I initially thought. I'm now I have to actually go through what I assume is a whole like second game built into this game. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, what are you trying to do to me, Naughty Dog? Uh-huh. Other than that, this thing is really big, really nice, and I love the characters that they've brought to this game, and I love the okay. in-depthness that they've given to each character. A lot of layers, and I like that. So I was intending on watching you stream this, but when I checked, you hadn't streamed it the first few two days. And so I only streamed it once. 
because it delved immediately into spoiler territory. And I was like, okay, I'm going to find a section that I know I could get flooded from point A to point B. Yeah. And not going to be any huge spoilers in there. But for me, though, I was relying on you to do that because I just want to see it. I don't want to play it. (laughs) Oh, sorry. It's okay. Because you had said you were going to stream it that night. So, yeah, I was... I was up on like at nine o'clock waiting for you, and I was just like, "Oh, well, I guess he's not going to do it." Oh yeah, I was watching episodes for family and kind of got into that. <laughs> anyway, well, yeah, so that's kind of what led me to look at spoilers. I was just like, I just need to find out what this thing is. Yeah, so. it's a long game. I think I saw like a whole like all cutscenes on YouTube clocked in at like over eight hours. Yeah, it's a lot. So yeah, and I'm enjoying the game i like where i'm at i'm playing on normal mode like basically they'll align what it, what it presets you at so i'm not doing survival i don't think i need to you know trophy pending but even then um i still have to get through the game first on once over <laughs> i'm liking it so far yeah but we'll see what happens with the second half of the game we'll see what happens maybe we'll do and i'll have that full review probably next week and with that let's yeah. talk about next week all right. Well, thank you uh, for tuning in. That'll do it for video games. That'll do it for the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back next week for another episode, marooned episode of the Media Boat Podcast, as always. So join us then. In the meantime, you can see us uh, live to tape on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com and search Media Boat Podcast. Find us there. You can also see our archive video game streams on our YouTube channel. So check that out as well. You can find us on social media as well. Media Boat Cast is our handle on Twitter. Facebook, you search Media Boat Podcast and you find our page. You can go to twitch.tv slash mediaboat to find older video game streams that we've done. You can hear us in podcast form by searching Media Boat Podcast on any podcast service that you uh, are privy to. And last but not least, you can email us at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com with questions, comments, feedback, anything please we love to hear from anybody thank you for joining us this week we'll be back next week with another exciting hopefully shorter episode of the media boat podcast well we'll devote next week's podcast to the last of us part two and not go into so much detail and other stuff well i mean there's probably gonna be more video game stuff but we'll see we'll see all right we'll be back next week with more stuff okay yeah bye, bye. <laughs>